Hello, this is Pastor Corey Ehrman. You're listening to my podcast. I hope it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch you through this teaching. Thank you for tuning in, and God bless. Uh, I have been on a subject for the last several weeks. All started out by posing a question, should Christians tithe? And we've been looking at that it's not as simple as that because it's not just about should Christians tithe, but it really is about understanding Christian stewardship. And um, last week I was, I began to speak to you about um, the tithes and offerings from Malachi. So if we could go there once again, I want us to look at Malachi chapter 3. And I'm going to give some context so that we will understand this a little bit better. I'll continue to build on that. We're going to read from verse 6. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. God speaking to his people, the nation of Israel. But instead of Israel, he calls them Jacob. For I am the Lord, I do not change, verse 6. That is why you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. And what he means is he had made a covenant and he doesn't change his mind. Gifts and callings of God are without repentance. If God has spoken it, if God has made a covenant, he's not going to back out of the covenant. So the issue is never with God. The problem is never going to be with God. God never moves. God doesn't budge. God doesn't repent. God doesn't change his mind. You know, he says, I am the Lord, I change not. If I have spoken it, will I not do it? Will I not perform it? But part of the covenant is that we also have a responsibility in the covenant. We have to do our part. And again, God is speaking to Israel because they're not doing their part. I am the Lord, I do not change. So who changed? The people changed. That's why you, uh, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Of course, Jacob is Israel's original name which means deceiver supplanter so he refers to them by the old nature instead of israel the one who wrestled with god for the blessing because they were not wrestling with god for the blessing they had let go of god you know they had grown cold in their relationship with the lord verse 7 even from the days of your fathers you have turned aside from my ordinances and have not kept them so that's the responsibility of the covenant is that we have a part to play and they are not doing their part and so that obviously not doing their part is going to hinder God doing his part and he says return to me and I will return to you says the Lord of hosts but you say how shall we return and so they're they're kind of claiming ignorance I found this over the years, a lot of people claim ignorance. Well, how, how do I return? What do I do? You know. But, but we do have a responsibility to know, and especially when we know, now we are held accountable for what we know. And then he is, God's response in verse 8, Will a man rob or defraud God? This is the Amplified. Yet you have robbed and defrauded me. But you say, in what way do we rob and defraud you? You have withheld your tithes and offerings. So that's where they have robbed and defrauded God by holding back what was justly due, the tithes, which is 10% of all the income and the possessions and everything that the Lord has blessed them with and everything that comes in and offerings on top of the tithes. So remember there's tithes and then on top of it there are offerings. And it says, you are cursed with a curse for you're robbing me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes, the whole tenth of your income, into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and prove me now by it, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour you out a blessing. Everyone say a blessing. A blessing. So what does the tithe do? It releases the blessing. Why? Because it's our, it's our response to the covenant of blessing. When we respond to the covenant of blessing with our obedience and thankfulness and gratitude, and of course, that's going to release God's blessing. That there shall not be room enough to receive it. Who likes that idea? Everybody likes that they don't have room enough to receive it. 
You understand? That's what God's going to do. God's going to release so much that there won't be room enough to receive it. And then he says, I will rebuke the devourer, the insects and the plagues for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Now we know that the devourer, the thief, the devil is at work. I mean, he is devouring through the nations right now plagues and famines and shortages and lack and i mean he is devouring the nations people are being devoured right now people are being devoured right now and america is only starting to experience some things that other nations for years have been living through you know so it's a crazy time and the devourer is devouring the nations. But he says, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. So what does that tell me? I don't care what the devourer is doing. Come on, somebody. Doesn't matter what the devourer is doing. It does not matter what the devourer is doing. God's going to bless his people. If they're obedient to his word, if they trust him, he's going to rebuke the devourer. And that word rebuke also means to stop, to hold back. So if we don't hold back, God's going to hold back to devour. See, but if we, we end up holding back, there's nothing to hold back to devour. So what you, you receive what you sow. You go where you, where you sow. Don't withhold from the Lord what is just to do. But you know what he's going to do? When we obey him, when we honor him, in our giving he withholds he holds back that devourer he stops he binds he rebukes the devourer for our sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground neither shall your vine drop its fruit before the time of the field says the lord that means your harvest is going to come in full he will not be able to stop the your harvest and then it says all nations shall call you happy and blessed for you shall be a land of delight says the lord of hosts now we know that this nation has been called blessed and free it's been a land of delight that's why people from all around the world want to come to america i mean i'm an immigrant first generation because i came when i was 12 and a half, half years old you know with what was going on in our nation turkey my dad without knowing it in a sense because we didn't really know the lord but i know now looking back on it you know that the hand of god was on our family he took a step of faith left turkey we had lost everything there was a military coup d'etat the government was taken over by the military and we were under martial law i mean it, it was crazy times and then my dad left 1981 came to america and then was able to you know through a lot of just a long story but and ended up getting a green card through business through a partnership in a restaurant with a man that helped him and everything and he came and he brought me and my my sister was seven years younger than me and my mom we all came and i remember going to the u.s embassy in capital of turkey ankara 12 and a half years old I just go there and they said sign here sign there and then they gave me a green card I guess things were done a lot differently then. I'm talking about the 80s. And, um, and then we flew in. And uh, it, I remember when we came, it was just amazing. You know, this has been a, a land of delight for many. But it's starting to become a land of fright. And this is the last stand. I mean, where do we go from here? You know, other people in other nations have had up opportunities to escape maybe america you know, we know many under communism escaped communism i have many friends that escaped communism we have some even here in this house today they escaped cuba and they escaped i know people that escaped the soviet union under the iron curtain people that have escaped oppressive regimes to come to america for freedom you know they had a place to run to seek asylum where do we go if america falls where do we go for if america falls where do we go where else is there to go? 
and the noose is tightening. It's, it's getting tight. If you only knew the things that they have planned. I can't even share them because it'll freak many of you out. I will share some of it when I speak prophetically just to address some things. But thank God. I mean, you know, and, and I'm glad that for a long time, I, you know, I didn't see a lot of things because thank God that I was just running with revival, running with revival, running with revival, you know. And then the Lord began to show me a lot of other things. Because if I didn't have the foundation of running with the fire of the Holy Ghost burning on the inside of me, the word of God full of faith... I don't think I would have been able to handle the things that I see now. It doesn't really move me. I see it. I know it. But I'm not really moved by it because I'm moved by the Holy Ghost. I'm moved by the Word of God. I'm moved by the fire of God on the inside of me. But many, many can't handle it. They're not ready for what's coming. People are not ready for what's coming. They haven't been ready for what's coming. We were saying that 10 years ago. We're going to say now that they're not even ready for what's coming in the next five years because it's going to get intense. The fire is about to get seven times hotter in the furnace. But I don't have a problem because I'll be standing in the furnace and there won't even be the smell of smoke on me because there will be another one. Like the son of man standing by my side. I'm just saying. So this has been a place where people have called happy and blessed. People have run, run to this country looking for that freedom, looking for that opportunity, the land of opportunity. Home of the free, the land of the brave, you know. And this has been the place that people have been able to come to. It's been a land of delight for many because of the blessing of God. And there are people full of the devil, agents of the devil who hate that. They are hell-bent. Not randomly. Consciously hell-bent on destroying. Because they are full of the devil. The Antichrist spirit. They are hell-bent on destroying America. Hell-bent on destroying the church. They hate the word of God. They hate freedom, they hate you, they hate your prosperity, they hate the blessing of God, they hate babies, they hate everything. They hate everything. They're full of hate. They're haters. And deceivers and liars, cheaters. And so it's time for the church to wake up. We've got we've to grab a hold of our covenant Stop playing around with this thing. Get serious about your covenant with the Lord. Because it says, verse 13, your words have been strong and hard against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? You've said it's useless to serve God. What profit is it if we keep his ordinances and walk gloomily and as if in the morning a peril before the Lord of hosts? And now we consider the proud and arrogant to be happy and favored. Evildoers are exalted and prosper. Yes, and when they test God, they escape unpunished. That's what people think there. Well, what, what, what use is it to serve? Well, look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing and they get away with it. Oh, no. There's a day of reckoning coming. You can count on it, church. You can count on it. Then those who feared the Lord talked often one to another. And the Lord listened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him of those who reverenced and worshipfully feared the Lord who taught, who thought on his name. And they shall be mine, says the Lord of, Lord of hosts. In that day when I publicly recognize and openly declare them to be my jewels, my special possession, my peculiar treasure. And I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. And then you shall return and discern between the righteous and the wicked. Between him who serves God and him who does not serve him. So I want you to see the context. This has nothing to do with just bringing some money in an offering. This has to do with a lifestyle of complete dedication and commitment to the Lord. Fearing God and, and reverently fearing God and serving the Lord and just being absolutely faithful to our covenant. Because we are in the midst of an unfaithful generation. People, where people are very fickle. It's usually what have you done for me lately. And how easily they forget the things that, they, that the Lord has done in their lives and how easily they get swayed because 
Their hearts are not fixed on the Lord. Your, when your heart is fixed on the Lord, when your heart is fixed on the Lord, you can't be moved. When you stand on the word of God and you are, you are absolutely, you won't budge, you won't be shaken, you won't move. That's how, that's the level of commitment we must have to the word of God and to serving the Lord in these last days. Because if we don't, we're going to be, people are going to be shaking. They're going to be shaken so badly with what's coming. So, as I began to share with you last week, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse. Now, what is the storehouse? In the time of Hezekiah, we looked at it, 2 Chronicles 31, the heaps, right? When they begin to, to see, the, the whole nation was backslidden, so Hezekiah, a righteous king, rose up and he basically brought the nation back to the word of God. He reestablished the ministry, worship, praise, thanksgiving, offerings, giving, reading of the word. I mean, he put the temple in order. They, he tore down the high places for Baal and Asherah, and he tore down all the idols, and then he called the nation to worship the Lord, and the Lord just kept blessing the nation, blessing the nation, blessing the nation, and people just kept bringing and bringing and bringing from the third month to the seventh month. They brought so much that there was a heaps and heaps of stuff and then it's more than enough and then we see you know the priest tell him what we have here is such great abundance that we have more than enough we don't even know what to do with it so hezekiah said okay take the build storage places in the temple and begin to store these up and then begin to continue to distribute but but the, the blessing was coming in faster than they were able to distribute they were, they were still distributing and giving out, but then it, it just kept increasing. That's exactly God's plan. He wants you to see that. You need to see that. You can never outgive God. You can never, ever outgive God. So don't get into fear because fear is the number one thing that stops people from giving. It takes faith to give. So it becomes a test of faith faithfulness faithfulness requires faith those who have faith are faithful full of faith amen so hezekiah that's of course that was the temple of solomon which ended up later on being destroyed because the next generation turned away from god and then of course they ended up going into exile and the temple was rebuilt the second temple was rebuilt. So now in the time of Malachi, they had rebuilt the temple and they still have these storehouses. And so, but the storehouses are empty. There's no meat in God's house. Okay. So let's look at what was supposed to be done. All right. So what was to be done with when the Israelites brought their tithes and offerings? The Lord through Malachi told them to bring their tithes into the storehouses. Where were the storehouses? Where did that originate? Okay, so we see this. The Lord commanded them concerning the tithes and the offerings. So they were first they were to be they were to be brought to the place where His name was recorded. All right, we see in Deuteronomy chapters twelve and sixteen that God's name was recorded in first the tabernacle of Moses, later on the temple, temple of Solomon, and then of which was destroyed, then the temple. In time of Jesus, it was known to be the temple of Herod, but, you know, Nehemiah, in time of Nehemiah, the temple was eventually rebuilt after the exile, but the, the Lord spoke of a place where he put his name, where his name would be recorded. It's a place where his name would dwell. So the, the purpose of the temple was not so that there is a building that people go to. The purpose of the temple the concept of a tabernacle. The word tabernacle in Hebrew means is the word mishkan, which means a dwelling place. Where God dwells, where God lives. It's a habitation where the presence of God would come and fill the holy of holies. The glory of God would come, what the Hebrews refer to as the Shekinah glory of God, that 
glorious light, that unapproachable light would come and fill the Holy of Holies. And God's presence and God's name would dwell there. So that's what he said, I'm, I will write my name in that building. Now you have to understand something. Now when we come to the New Testament, who's the tabernacle? Who's the temple? We are the church, each individual person, and also the church collectively together. We are all living stones being built up to form a spiritual temple. The body of Christ and God's presence dwells in us. And the Bible also tells us that he has written his name in our hearts. So we are now the temples. And if we want, listen, the storage places of the temple to be filled with plenty and overflowing, which is our lives, we need to recognize that God wants to fill the storage places in our life. Ark of the Covenant in the holiest of all in the tabernacle. And then later on in the temple of Solomon at Jerusalem became the place where his name, his presence, his glory actually dwelt. It was here that Israel was to bring their sacred tithes and offerings. Here Israel would bring their tithes, offerings, free will offerings, sacrifices, and first fruits. Here is a place where his name would be recorded. This was the tabernacle later on, the temple of the Lord. Habitation, basically God's address on earth. In the New Testament, this now finds a twofold expression and fulfillment. Since the destruction of the material temple at Jerusalem, God's temple is first of all found in Christ and now in the church, which is the true temple of God. It is in Christ and His church that God's name now dwells in His fullness. We bring our tithes and offerings to Christ in His church. This is the New Testament fulfillment of the Old Testament types and shadows. So that's why... Tithes, tithes and offerings come to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. doesn't go to the cat and dog foundation. It doesn't go to the American Heart Society. It doesn't go to some foundation. And, 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 and this is a major issue. And, and especially when you see what happens with a lot of wealthy people, they put their money in their own foundation and their trust, which becomes sort of their slush fund. And I've seen that with wealthy Christian business people. I actually had a very wealthy Christian business person say to me, if I bring all that money, it's just too much for the church. What are you going to do with it? What do you mean? It's like he was like looking down on the church. Like, you know, we, we can just get a hundred bucks. But, you know, when it's a hundred million, then, you know, the church really doesn't, you know, it's just too much for the church. That's exactly what he said to me. What is the church going to do with it? It's too much for the church. What are you talking about? It's too much for the church. You know how much the church needs? You know how many times the ministry is done out from the widow's might? The last jar of oil? Most of the ministry is funded by the widow's might. Because these rich people, they think that they're too high and holy and proud and that their money is too much. I had another businessman come to me and said, what are you doing with my tithes? I said, I don't know. He said, he just looked at me like this. What he meant was like, what are you doing with my money? I said, I don't know. It's your money. Well, he said, no, no. He said, I mean my tithes. I said, oh, you mean the Lord's tithes. It's not yours anymore. Once you've given it, it's not yours. It's not yours. Don't claim it. It's, yours. it's the Lord's tithe. It's not yours. I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I, you know, I, I just make too much for the church to give to the church. I, I'd rather just give it to a big foundation. And they'll take their money and put it in foundations. Where basically then they do whatever they want with their own foundation money. So basically they've never given anything to anybody. They're just laundering their money through a foundation is all they're doing. And cheating the government from taxes and cheating the, the, the Lord, of course, first. I think some people fear the IRS more than they fear God. They dare not withhold back from the IRS because they know the IRS man is coming. Wow. That went over like a lead balloon here. 
storehouse. So it was under the revival during Hezekiah's godly reign that the storehouse concept originated. We see that in 2 Chronicles 31, where we're told Hezekiah had the priests prepare chambers or storehouses, literally in verse 11, in the temple of the Lord for the tithes and the offerings, because there was such an abundance. With the cleansing of the filthiness of the temple, a great awakening came in Israel. There was a return to the giving of tithes and offerings for the work of the Lord. In this great chapter, we see how this was done in, in order to distribute to the ministry everywhere and not just to the Levites ministering about the temple himself. So first, the Levites themselves who are full-time ministers dedicated because the, when the land was, um, you know, proportioned out to the different tribes, the Levites never got land. So they didn't live off of the land. They were supposed to live off of what the people living off of the land brought in the first fruit offerings and tithes and offerings of all the different sorts to the temple. They didn't work in terms of agriculture or ranching or cattle, whatever. They worked in the temple. They did the Lord's ministry. They did the Lord's work, right? So the people brought their tithes, did not dictate or control the tithes or the dispensing of them. The Levites themselves had to minister and dist distribute or disperse the tithes. Secondly, the tithes were not ra rationed or percentaged out. All had plenty at the temple to meet their needs. The temple chambers were used as storehouses for surplus tithes and offerings. Thirdly, the whole purpose was that the Levites might have food to eat and be encouraged to minister the law of the Lord or the word of God. The bringing in of tithes and offerings would provide meat in my house. Tithes were used for the ministry. This helps to understand more clearly the word of Malachi about the storehouse and the meat in my house. And if you understand also concerning the word of God, there's, there's milk and then there's meat. Okay, what's the difference between meat, uh, milk and meat? Well, meat is like strong, strong meat. It's something you have to chew on. Meat is, the meat part of the word of God is the part that puts responsibility on us responsibility babies they have no responsibility they drink milk they poop they sleep and they have their diapers changed and somebody has to take care of them they can't take any responsibility but when you grow up and now you can actually receive meat that means you become an adult you become mature now you need to work you need to be responsible for your life for your actions you can't always be expecting somebody to do something for you right you do what you're supposed to do and then God comes and blesses you and then he rewards your faithfulness. He rewards your labor, right? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So God's going to reward that. So if we want meat to be in God's house and if we want meat to be in, in our house, in our lives, we need to be responsible people. So that means we are responsible for the upkeep of the ministry. That's why we bring tithes and offerings. We support the ministry of the Lord because, thank you for those two claps. I mean, who's going to support the ministry of the Lord, you know? I never received a phone call from Pfizer saying, I, we hear a lot of people are getting healed in your church. We feel like we want to take some of the $500 billion we made off of the virus and the vaccine and contribute some of that to, to your church because you're helping get people get healed. 500 billion 500 billion big pharma made 500 billion 500 billion in the last two years big pharma just letting you know what's going on amen never got a phone call from cnn Saying, we like how you inform people of what's going on. We'd like to get behind it. Here's a check for a million dollars. Also, I haven't got a call from Fox either. No, it's the, it's the Lord's people who are going to support the Lord's work. That's the bottom line. And the Lord supports the ones who supports his work. That's the covenant. That's the responsibility we have. Amen. So the whole purpose was that, that there would be meat in the house. Tithes were used for the ministry. This helps us to understand more clearly the word Malachi, the word of Malachi about the storehouse and meat in the house. And then 
One more thing is there were 12 Levites over the tithes and seven Levites over the free, free will offerings. If you want to study that out. Thus the temple, the house of the Lord, where the priests and the Levites ministered the word of the Lord became the storehouse where people brought their tithes and their offerings. The restored temple in the days of Nehemiah likewise also had the same chambers and storehouses for the tithes in the rebuilt temple. You can find that in Nehemiah 13, 10 through 14. So thus the fulfillment is seen in the New Testament. It is to... It is to Christ and his church that believers bring their tithes and offerings. It is in this house where God has written his name, where people are fed spiritually with the word of God. This is the meat in the house. In his house, as in the Old Testament temple, there should be storehouses for the tithes and offerings from which the ministry should be able to draw their support. Amen. And then one of the things that we also recognize when God began to speak in Malachi 3, 8 through 10, when we, see, when we have a careful reading of this part, we see that there was either blessing or cursing upon those, those who paid tithes and offerings to the Lord or not. Blessing or cursing automatically follows with obedience or disobedience. It is what the Lord says that counts, not our opinions of his words well I think it says this I think it says that and let me tell you those who say that they cannot afford to tithe really cannot afford not to tithe you certainly you certainly cannot afford not to pay your income tax because IRS puts a fear in a lot of people but there's a greater debt to be paid to the Lord God follows this similar principle it's not for himself but his laws are for our blessing which is at stake if we disobey and I'll tell you God can take the 90% make you go further than you keeping the 100% and being on your own come on somebody In Haggai's time, the word through Haggai, the prophet, was that they were putting their money into a bag with holes in it. Jesus said, with what we measure, with what measure we measure, it will be measured back to us. It will, if we give, it shall be given to us. This is the divine principle. That's in Luke 6, 38. Proverbs 26, verse 2 tells us that the curse does not come without a cause. The cause for the curse is often the lack of paying our tithes and bringing our offerings to worship the Lord or more simply the sin of robbing God. So from the prophet Malachi, we draw some important lessons. First, we know that the Lord says he changes not. Some seek to change God and the teaching that tithing is no longer valid today. The Lord does not change. This is, the play, this is placed in these verses to, relative to tithes and offerings. Jesus Christ has an unchanging priesthood. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Israel was accused of robbing God in tithes and offerings. And the Bible says no thief can inherit the kingdom of God in 1 Corinthians 6.10. Israel pled ignorance. Wherein have we robbed you? Ignorance is not an excuse before the Lord. And they were cursed with a curse, even the whole nation. The curse does not come without a cause. The cause was robbing God. God told them to bring their tithes and offerings to his storehouse. Tithes and offerings has been clearly sp spelled out over the nation's history. The storehouse in our day is where we are spiritually fed by the ministry God has placed in his church. With the bringing of tithes and offerings, there would be meat in God's house. That is, there would be spiritual food and the ministers could tread out the corn of God's word to feed the people of God. And God challenged Judah... Prove me now. This is the only scripture in the whole Bible where God challenges us to put him to the test. Rewards and blessings are for tithers and givers. The blessing would also come on the land. The devourer, which is Satan and his plagues and his curses and his wicked agendas would be rebuked if they would give God what he has asked of them and that is rightfully his. So ultimately, in closing, tithing honors God. 
And we know that the Bible tells us, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses burst out with new, new wine, which is Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. So think about that. So shall your barns or your storage places be filled with plenty. Amen. So start tithing and get, build some storage places like Hezekiah had built. Get some storage places because the, the abundance is coming. The heaps are coming. Amen. Is this helping anybody here today? As you can see, it's pretty clear in God's word. And, and unfortunately, obviously, there, there is a lot of ignorance in the church concerning these things because people don't teach on these things. A lot of pastors are afraid to even talk about the subject. Because like I said, the most sensitive nerve in the human body is the one right next to the back pocket. And so people get, you know, a little, little sensitive about it. But you know what? It's not really about the money. It's about the heart. So God's word comes to test our hearts. And as our hearts are tested, the Lord says, test me now in this, you know. So we think we're testing God, but actually his word is testing us. Amen. So tithes and offerings. First of all, tithe is the Lord's portion. It's not even ours to keep. So don't eat your tithe. If you eat your tithe, the devourer will come and eat your life up. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. Walk in the blessing. Come under God's insurance policy. Come under God's protection. Come under God's blessing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So I know there's a lot of people out there going around saying, well, tithing is not valid now in the New Testament. Well, it's just a, such a blanket statement that has absolutely no proof because you can't even prove that first and foremost. But, but why? Again, why? What is the reasoning behind that? I mean, I'm not trying to get out of serving God. I'm not looking for ways to do the minimum. I'm not a minimum person. I want to be a maximum person. And, and tithing really is my reasonable service unto the Lord. It's the minimum. I'm, tithing is where it begins. And then on top of it, there are offerings. And if you actually look at Israel... Throughout the year with everything, all the different tithes and the first fruits and the offerings, the different things. They brought it close to 40% of their income was brought, 35 to 40% was brought to the Lord. But when they did that, think about the abundance that they had. When they didn't do it, they came under the dominion of their enemies and they were in total poverty and lack. And they, they were subservient to the nations that were around them. So it's time for church because this, this is so vital People say, well, what has this got to do with anything? It's, it's everything. Because this is the core. This is the absolute core of our lives. How we relate to the Lord. That we, we come into an understanding that we are in a covenant. We have a covenant with God. God has made a covenant with us. And that covenant is a contract. It's a legal contract. See, whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever we loose on earth is loosed in heaven. That's the covenant. It's two-sided where heaven and earth come together. And when we bind on earth or when we loose on earth, in other words, when we are operating according to our covenant, guess what happens? Heaven backs us up. Because this is a contract. And, and, and here's the thing. It's an unequal contract. It's a partnership, but it's an unequal partnership. 10% and 100%. I mean, it's pretty crazy. He wants us, he asks, he's asking for 10%, and then he gives us 100%. Because the greater one blesses the lesser one. And the blessing originates with God. And he's the one who does the blessing. And we are the ones who receive the blessing. And then we are blessed to be a blessing. So it's simple. It's simple. 
So we have to operate in the concept of the fact that we are in covenant, we are in a covenant relationship with God. Everyone say this after me. I am, I am in a in covenant relationship with God Almighty. I am in a partnership with Him. Hallelujah. Praise God. So now watch this. So obviously, you can tithe from your personal income, but also tithe from your business. This ministry tithes. We tithe from the ministry. What does that mean? We bless other ministries. We sow into missions and we, we tithe. We bless the ministries that bless us as well. So this church, this ministry tithes. So we separate out 10% of what comes in and even sometimes more. And I mean, we, we tithe, we give out. And then I want to encourage you, tithe from your business, tithe from your company. Make God the number one partner of your company, of your business. Start a business just so you can give. Have multiple businesses. Have a business that just for giving. Watch and see what God will do. I'm, we got to see a breakthrough in this area. I'm, some of you are just staring at me like, like I'm talking to like unbelievers today. Come on, somebody. I mean, I'm trying to stir you up to a place of just coming out of this lack mentality, this limitation. There is so much available. I tell you right now, some of you all need to see some major breakthroughs. But you're not going to see the breakthrough until you do what you have to do. Start doing what you need to do. It's time to see a breakthrough. Come on, church. Come on. This church has been blessed in, a, in abundance from day one. From the very first meeting, we have been in abundance. So it has nothing to do with people come, people go. Hundreds of people have come. Hundreds of people have gone. It doesn't matter. This, this church is blessed because of how we operate. Because this church is, honors God's word. We tithe, we give, we bless, we sow, we won't operate in faith. So whether you're here or not, this church is going to be blessed. And this church, this ministry is, is going to accomplish the divine mission. But here's the good thing. You can get in on it. Because I'm telling you right now. Our storage places are filled with plenty, and it's going to get bigger. We're going to build bigger storage places here. We don't have enough. We don't have room enough to receive what's coming, so we're going to build bigger storage places. We're going to expand our storage places because more and more and more is coming. So you better get in on the heaps. And I've looked at these wealthy, multi-millionaire business people. One guy, he, would, he was a multi-multi-millionaire. 20 bucks every meeting he was in. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. I, I called, we called him brother 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Every service. He was like a set amount, $20. That's all the church was good for. But then yet he, go, he takes $2 million and goes buys property in Istanbul and rents them out. Some of the high, high-rise penthouses, pay cash for them, comes to church, 20 bucks. I just didn't want to see him anymore. I was like praying, Lord, I just don't even want to see this guy anymore. I just can't, I, I can't even look at him anymore. It, it's hard. It's hard when you know brother, 20 bucks is there when he could be brother, 20,000 bucks. He could be brother 200,000 bucks, but he's just sitting there with a smirk on his face, 20 bucks. And then he comes to tell me what he thinks I should do with the ministry. You have no say in the matter. You and your money perish. Your heart's not right before God. I just basically quoted a scripture. I don't know if you know that. Peter said that to Simon the sorcerer who wanted to buy the anointing with money. He wanted to buy a position because that's exactly what he wanted to do. He wanted to buy a position. He comes to me, he says, we should have a committee in the church in charge of the finances. And if you will put me in charge of the finances in the church's committee, and then, and of course, then I become a hireling. 
I'll, I'll bring more money. I said, you and your money perish. We don't need your money. I was here before you came, and I'll be here after you leave. Because you didn't call me. God called me. And Brother 20 Bucks would keep coming to me with this, with this project. I have this project. I think the church should do this. I'll fund it. And, and, and every single one of them. None of them were from the Lord. None of them. Every single one of them. I felt sick in my stomach every time he came to me with a project. He'd just sit down and here's a project. And he's offering me all this money. And you know what? Most people take it. Take those projects and the money. I don't. I'm not for sale. And you don't have enough money to shut my mouth. If the Holy Ghost says no, no. No means no. And that's, that's a, that, I don't know if you guys realize, that's, we, we as church leaders, we have to walk that fine line every week. You have no idea the offers I get or the ideas and the hints people drop or somebody had some vision or some dream about a ministry they're supposed to have in the church. And I know it's not of the Lord, so I'll just tell them, I'm sorry. I love you. God bless you. Go home rejoicing. But it's not of the Lord. And they're gonna, they manifest. They get offended. And then now... Pastor Corey, you know, he doesn't honor my gift. He doesn't recognize me. I have to deal with this all the time, constantly. And many times you have to say no. And you're going to have to say no to some things in your life to walk in the blessing. I'm telling you right now. Some of you all going to get business offers. You need to say no. Some of you are going to have partnership offers. You need to say no. People are going to come around you. You need to say no. Right after Abraham was blessed by Melchizedek, king of Sodom comes and, make, and offers to make a covenant with him. And, and what does Abraham say? I will not even take one shoelace from you, lest they say of me that the king of Sodom made me rich. It is only the Lord that is my source, that is my supply. So the Lord is your source. The Lord is your supply. Do not look to man. Do not look to man. Your job is not your source. Your paycheck is not your source. Where you work is not your source. God is your source. God is your source. I had to speak to a pastor in Europe yesterday because one of the top person, persons in the, in the church there are leaving and, and they're concerned about what the fallout's going to be. I said, let him go. Let them go. Don't even hold them back if they want to leave. Let them go. What if they take people? Let them take people. God is your source. God is your source. God is your source. God called you there. You, 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 you stay in your righteousness. The Lord's going to take care of you. The Lord's going to bless you. God is your source. Is this helping anybody here today? These are vital things in these last days. Because I tell you right now, people are being tested. People will be tested in the area of provision. People will be tested in the area of faith. People will be tested in the area of finances. It's, it's going to happen. And you're going to need to understand your covenant rights in these last days to walk in the blessing of God and to walk in provision. Because the world is out there. They want to come steal, kill, and destroy. Do not trust the world. They're hell-bent on destroying personal prosperity, personal private ownership. That they want a, a globalist, socialist, communist, one-world dictatorship where everybody's a bunch of slaves and a few elite at the top have all the power and the money and everybody does what they say. That's what, that is exactly what they want. That is their agenda. That's exactly what it is. And I don't even care what they're doing. I am a man of God. You are a man of God. You are a woman of God. You're going to walk in the blessing of God. You are the righteousness of God in Christ. The righteous are as bold as a lion. Come on, somebody. I've been young. I've been old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. God has got a plan for you. It is a plan to prosper you, to plan to give you a hope and a future. The plans of the enemy will not harm you. The Lord is with you. The Lord is 
on your side, if God is for you, come on somebody, who can be against you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost now. You ain't seen nothing yet. You have no idea how much the blessing of God is going to come upon your life. You haven't seen anything yet. You have no idea of the blessing that's coming. God's about to open the floodgates of heaven. God's about to open up the floodgates of heaven. God's people will not lack in these last days. We shall do exploits. We will have more than enough for every good work. Supernatural wealth transfer is coming into the hands of the righteous. The wealth of the wicked that is laid up for the righteous is coming. God is going to open the windows of heaven, pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive. God's going to take you from the back of the line to the front of the line. Somebody said, my name is not even on the list. He's going to put your name on the top of the list. That's exactly what the favor of God does. I decree supernatural favor over this church. I decree supernatural favor over you, your life, your family, your business in the mighty name of Jesus. The devourer will not be able to come against you. The Lord will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I hope that you have been blessed. I would like for you to consider two things. Number one, subscribe to our show to receive notifications of our new podcasts. Number two, support our ministry of reaching the nations with revival by clicking on the link in the description or visiting our website, riverwpb.com. Thank you for tuning in. Look forward to you joining our next podcast. God bless you.